Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech. This is the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Our podcast uses an interview format with industry and academic leaders and is intended for analytics-interested business professionals from the U.S. and beyond. Thank you again for listening to the Analytics Buzz. With us today, we have Spiros Kokinas from Access Group, and we're talking about current state and trends in data visualization. Thanks for joining us, Spiros. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So let's start with um, some background so we can understand where you're coming from. Uh, tell us about yourself. Sure. Uh, I lead up the visual analytics practice at Axis Group. Axis Group is a consulting firm that does BI consulting. It's really about helping companies take their data, get it into the right format, and then make it actionable. So my team uh, that does visual analytics, is our kind of focus is to take your data and look at the problems you have and figure out what's the right way to visualize this data, Mm -hmm. what's the right format to deliver it to your employees or to whoever needs it, to make it actionable, to make it insightful, to make them do their jobs better and hopefully accomplish some key goals of the organization. Okay, and um, Axis Group, uh, some people haven't heard of it, I'm guessing. Where is that located? Is that headquartered in Jersey or something? It's headquartered in New Jersey, and then we have another office down here in the Atlanta area where we're, yeah. Okay. And how strong are you guys? How many associates? There's about a hundred and something people. It kind of fluctuates. Mm-hmm. And in the Atlanta area, we have about 30 or 40, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Um, what about before that time? Have you always been in um, the data world? Yeah. I, that was my intro to the data world. I've been there for six plus years. And uh, before that, I graduated from tech. I knew nothing about data visualization. When I took the job, I don't think I knew what a dashboard was. Oh. And so it was a learning process. Yeah. Well, thank you for going to tech. What was your major? Industrial engineering. Nice. Yeah. Can't go wrong there. Very cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, so um, the first thing we'll start off with as we're talking about current trends, um, you know, current state and the trends in data visualization is we hear this term all the time and there's functional leaders that come to me and say, what the heck does this mean in different kinds of people, um, even within the data space that don't necessarily agree there's um, there's a consistent message around mm-hmm. that term. So from your perspective, what would you say the term data visualization means? Sure. So data visualization is this process of taking raw data and turning that into some sort of graphical representation that'll reveal some patterns and insights in that data that otherwise might not have been seen. So. If you think about raw data, it's really good when you need to pick out a single value. Like if I'm thinking about mm-hmm. my body temperature, mm-hmm. right? I pick out that single value, I can read it, I can work with that. But if you want to look at bigger sets of data and get meaning out of that, if you want to understand how has that changed over a period of 24 hours, mm-hmm. maybe I have a temperature reading per hour, to look at all that data and try to get something out of it requires a lot of mental effort. It requires kind of working memory and a lot of conscious effort to compare these numbers and go back and forth between what you've been storing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it doesn't really work very well. The idea behind data visualization is that we can take advantage of visual processing that humans do. Our mm-hmm. brains spend a lot of power on visual processing. The idea is to use that to uh, look at data and get insights from it subconsciously almost. So mm-hmm. we call those basically pre-attentive attributes. I'll give you an example. A very easy one is length. So if I were to show you a picture very quickly of a child who's three feet tall and an adult who's six feet tall, and flash away from you, you could not only tell me who was taller, you could probably get pretty close to guessing that one person was twice as tall as the other. 
that's what we're trying to do with visualization, and that's why it's kind of advantageous for data. Mm-hmm. So instead of saying like this, this kid's three feet, this person's six feet, right. um, you see it. It's kind of like the bar graph, right? You can automatically yeah. tell this is more, this is twice as important, or this is twice as big, or this is twice as many um, of of something else, just by an instant by looking. Naturally, exactly. Show don't tell, mm-hmm. and that can be used for um, not only explaining a concept like that, but exploring data as well, where you don't know what you're looking for. So it can help you find those things and really find insights that maybe you don't even know where to start with your data. Visualization can be an entry point to figuring out what are the right things that you should be looking at. Okay. So you define it as a process, and it sounds like the steps that you're outlining in the process are raw data, visualization, insights, and then decision-making. Yes, but it can be very iterative Mm -hmm. in any part of that. So you may take the raw data, you may visualize it, and you may not get to an insight, but you may see a glimpse of one. Like a hint, and then you go back to the raw data, redo the visualization. Or or change the visualization and kind of start to tweak it and start to dig in different areas. So it really kind of falls under this terminology of data discovery. It really Mm -hmm. helps with that process of finding your way through that kind of maze to the hidden insight. Well, and that was the other part I was going to... Asked to summarize, which is some of the, some of what you mentioned sounds as if it's um, hypothesis driven. You think fill in the blank, and therefore you go digging for that thing. But then other parts hmm. seem very exploratory in nature, where you're just sort of groping in the dark and trying to find what you might want to find. It's definitely both, and there are different opinions on what you should be doing. There are people that will tell you, like academics, that'll say you shouldn't come with the hypothesis because you will twist the data into saying what you want it to say. Like you're looking for a diamond, you're always going to find a diamond. Exactly. You're not going to see all the rubies and emeralds exactly. in there. Okay. Yeah. So you have to be careful when you do that. But it does help if you have at least a question you're trying to answer, mm-hmm. but maybe not as opinionated about what that answer should be. Got it. Okay. And the explore, so are there, is there more support for the exploratory side? The exploratory side, I think, is, the, is what's becoming kind of bigger now than before. I mean, explanatory is how visualization started. Uh, there's a great example from uh, the 1800s. It's like one of the most famous visualizations where uh, in England, this physician, John Snow, mapped out these cholera deaths around this water well. Mm-hmm. And people always point to that as an example of like, oh, the visualization revealed that insight. It was actually the opposite. He already had figured out what had happened, and then he used that visualization to explain that to everybody else. Mm. That is starting to change now, where people Mm. are more and more seeing visualization as an exploration tool rather than just purely being an explanation tool kind of after you've already found that insight. Right. Gotcha. Okay. Very cool. So that's um, that's how we are defining it, you know, for the context of our discussion. Um, what would you say is the current state of adoption for visualization right now? Like you see, you know, being an access group, you get the advantage of seeing into the world of, you know, some of your client companies and peeking into their progress and what they're doing. So as you're as you're taking a look at that, where do we stand just as a as a as a vertical and the acceptance and the adoption? Sure. So the big problem in that space, I think, right now is data literacy. Mm-hmm. So we're all familiar with literacy, being able to read, but there's also this concept that's kind of a level above that, which is data literacy, which is the ability to read and interpret data properly. And I think organizations are still struggling, or even people in general, you can talk larger about where people are consuming information, are struggling with interpreting data and don't necessarily have all the skills yet. Mm -hmm. So that can stunt that maturity curve. What Mm -hmm. I see is a lot of organizations that are putting a lot of effort into getting their data clean, which is fantastic. That has to be done 
to have a valuable output. The inputs have to be clean, mm -hmm. clean enough. But uh, there's still a struggle in terms of how do I think about this data creatively or even just uh, rationally. Mm -hmm. So what you see is a lot of dependence on tools. Mm -hmm. So companies invest a lot of money into these platforms, and then they say, um, well, where are the insights? Like the tool's not producing the insights for me. Well, that would be like you know buying Microsoft Word and saying, why is know, it not creating the documents? Exactly. You yeah. know, why am I not an award-winning novelist? Like it doesn't work like that. You still need uh, practitioners who can think rationally about the data and know how to use the tool to uh, end up with a valuable outcome. And yeah. that's the gap I see today. So some of the barriers um, to get at what's the current state of adoption, you're seeing um, barriers about data literacy development of clean data, uh, making it accessible, high quality, um, maybe even considering multiple sources and data fusions. Um, so given that there are all these barriers, where would you say that we are? Are we still wrangling data and trying to figure that out? Or do you think that we're adopting some visualization techniques? I think visualization techniques are starting to become more adopted. Mm -hmm. And I think the emphasis on it's becoming a little more important. Uh, you're starting to see organizations take even the role or idea of a data visualization designer or developer a little more seriously. Yep. Whereas in the past, that would kind of be something someone just does as a side responsibility, and it's not really tied to any job title or department. Mm. Uh, it's now getting a more emphasis of, oh, this is some, a valuable skill that needs to be focused on and acted on. Mm -hmm. Got it. Okay. Um, and so given that that's the definition in the current state where we're seeing uh, the adoption happen, what are some of the changes that are happening and the trends? Um, you know, are there certain categories of changes and trends that you want to highlight in particular? Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about interactives. Mm -hmm. So data visualization used to be a very static process. You would produce a chart, put it in a report, give it out to somebody, and you were done. Uh, now, with the kind of the rise of the web and that becoming our traditional way to consume media, uh, visualization has moved to the web primarily as its delivery mechanism. The end result of that is that you now have interactive data visualization, mm -hmm. which is extremely powerful for not just explanation, but exploration. You're right. Having visual models that someone can interact with and manipulate on the fly, and you kind of follow that data discovery pattern. So it's a great emerging trend, but it comes with its own set of challenges that uh, people are trying to meet all the time. And you can see them in, for example, the tools that are being built. So mm -hmm. there are new tools coming out for the web every day to handle visualizations. Uh, so if you follow that, you'll it's almost overwhelming in a way. Yeah. Uh, but, so the, the yeah. Ho the, where it's hosted and how it's done uh, and the allowance for that interaction um, is one of the one of the changes and um, sounds like in a very positive manner. Yes. You also mentioned um, someone, so that someone can grab and that someone can explore. Um, can you tell us what you're seeing as far as the changes and trends on the users themselves? Sure. So uh, from a cons uh, consumption standpoint, uh, it used to be maybe analysts were using these things or people that were very data rational, very data, kind of high, had a high level of data literacy. Mm -hmm. What we're starting to see now is how do we put this data in the right format in the hands of people up and down organizations that maybe aren't data scientists or have this intense data-based background, but can still leverage that information, we want to find ways to meet them where they are. So that, that takes data visualization out of just being maybe tactical or strategic and can even bring it down to an operational level. Mm -hmm. Like if I have an employee in the field, how do I give him information? It's probably not going to be a BI dashboard. He's probably, he or she's probably not going to be ready to consume something like that or find value from it. But it might be some pieces of that that involve visualizing the data in 
ways that uh, resonate with them so that they can make better actions that align to the strategy of the organization. Great. Okay, I got it. So on the in the field, as an example, you might have a salesperson who is going in to see a client and they have a specific question because they know this client, you know, is interested in something in particular. And this gives them a, a tool that would allow for visualization and access to the data would give them the ability to answer those questions on the fly. That's absolutely right. We've built several interfaces like that for our clients, for their sales staff. So they can go in and have more intelligent conversations with their client, with their customers and be able to pivot and really, you know, answer data with hard evidence on yeah, the fly. Yeah, on the fly, right. And it's not, it, they wouldn't have to put in a request to get some analysts exactly. to you know dig through it for them. It's something they could do on their own. Great. So aside from the interaction abilities and the changes in the, um, the users mm-hmm. of these sort of uh, tools and designs, what else, what other changes and trends are you seeing um, in this space? Sure. So we're seeing a lot more data. I mean, that's a common theme about big data and things like that. But uh, the web wasn't really designed, or your web browser, like your Internet Explorer, Chrome, whatever you use, wasn't really designed to visualize lots of data. So we're starting to figure out how to do that better. There's some companies like uh, Uber, for example, that we know have lots and lots of data about Mm -hmm. their trips that they're trying to analyze with visualization to be very Mm data-driven. And they're coming out with um, tools that leverage like the graphics card to do more data volumes in the browser so that you can literally look at 800,000 points in your browser and interact with it. So we're seeing a lot of work in that space right now around how do you give people access to even more information in the browser while keeping it performant and of course keeping it interpretable. Uh, another thing we're seeing is you know, how do we enable people to build interactives with less code? So that's a big problem with some of these emerging trends, especially with the interactive piece, mm-hmm. is we have plenty of tools, I would say, for producing static visualizations. We don't have good tools to enable people to produce interactives yet, and so those require lots of custom coding. Mm-hmm. Custom coding is painful, doesn't scale well, doesn't um, doesn't last very long, or, you know, it gets very stale very quickly, it's hard to maintain. Mm-hmm. And it's expensive, and you once and done, and then what are you gonna do? Right, and if you're, let's say, I have no idea what your programming background is, but let's just say, Beverly, right here, you want to create a visualization, I have to tell you what, that you have to go learn to code to create something that's interactive for people mm-hmm. to get value out of it. That's a huge barrier to entry. So what we're starting to see is people try to solve this problem and focus on ways to enable people to build or use tools that they can tell what they want it to do mm-hmm. rather than how to do it. And mm-hmm. so we're seeing some, some things like, uh, I would look up Vega if you're interested in that, which is a library from uh, University of Washington's Interactive Data Lab. And they're doing some interesting work on creating visualization grammars that are declarative, so you tell it, I want it to look like this, and then it figures out how to build that rather than you kind of having to build it yourself. Got it. Okay, so more um, uh, text, I guess text-based or natural language Exa- and It's menu going in that driven. direction, exactly. Right, probably menu-driven as the bridge to the text-based is my menu guess. Menu is a perfect way to think about it. Um, yes, exactly. Okay, okay. So we've got uh, some of the changes and trends, the interaction ability, the users themselves, the um, more data to explore, and I'm guessing that that also means being able to combine and, and sort of slice and dice differently uh, with multiple sources, less coding on the technique, and more. Um, I'm going to say that that sounds more user friendly. Yes. Um, what other trends or um, changes are we seeing, like, for example, with the design elements? Is some of that adjusting? Yeah, it's come a long way. I think. Uh, especially in the BI space, visualization was very utilitarian. Mm-hmm. So you know, you produce a chart and you cared less about what it looked like. 
but as we started to use visualization more and more to communicate, mm-hmm. uh, and where we've had this explosion of competition for people's attention, even in an organization, they have their email, they have their Skype, they have all kinds of information coming at them. Just having a utilitarian chart isn't enough anymore. Yeah. And, and aesthetics has become a really important part of visualization design, primarily because it helps engagement and adoption. So mm-hmm. it helps people actually want to use these tools and want to spend time in them and uh, and give them a rewarding experience for looking through the, that, uh, those, uh, those visualizations. So we're seeing that being reflected now where you're, you'll see it's not like your uh, 3D weird gradient dashboards of old. You're starting to see much more kind of modern, sleek design uh, come into the uh, data visualization practice. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm envisioning you know like an Excel looking sheet with yeah. a um, an analyst that's a statistician, and that was kind of the old days. Whereas right. now we're looking at very aesthetic designs, lots of interaction. You can explore, and the users are um, not necessarily experts in statistics. They they're regular people. You know they understand the business and they know what their questions are, and they're trying to decision from it. Is that sort of where we're going? Exactly, yes. So what else does the future hold? Like, Is it going to be more of the same and we're going to get deeper in some of these areas, or do you see a shift coming? I'm not sure I see a shift coming necessarily, but I can um, say where I'd like to see it go, where mm-hmm. I think it's, it looks like it may be going this way. Uh, I talked about the interactive things, and I'd love to see that happen. I'd love mm-hmm. to see people be able to for us to produce tools that allow organizations to more easily, especially BI, department, BI departments, more easily create uh, interactive visualizations without relying on expensive web development and, and custom coding and things like that. Uh, I'd also love to see, and it's starting to happen, the shift from data visualization being kind of a side uh, profession to being a, a career. Mm-hmm. There are a couple organizations that are doing this. Um, Capital One, for example, and Netflix actually have centralized data visualization departments that have job titles of like data visualization engineers, and they work across the organizations to help do that. Uh, but right now, what you're really seeing is mostly like someone that's a business analyst is also expected in their side, kind of as a side responsibility to be a data visualization uh, or use data visualization. And that's a tall order. It's a very complicated practice. It involves a lot of different skills with design and data analysis and data transformation. It's it's very, it takes a lot to do that. Um, so I'm hoping to see that become more of a mainstream profession. Do you think that you'll start to see along those lines, um, in addition to making it a priority as a, as a designated function and mm-hmm. certain roles and responsibility, do you think you'll start to see um, I'm sort of drawing a parallel to the modeling world, um, an R&D or innovation lab yes. that is enterprise-wide and then functional visualization experts that can implement on the applied basis? Yes, I think so. I think that idea of having data visualization experts kind of roaming around the organization and helping different groups with their problems and working with R&D to validate what they're doing uh, will be important in the future. Okay. So the future, that, as you would like to see it, yeah. <laughs> is um, more of the interactive, you know, the interactive abilities. You want to see that grow. Um, second, more easily be able to create different tools and designs um, that are not hard-coded and, that, yes. you know, they're scalable and possibly use um, natural language to help query. Um, third is you want to see the organizations, as far as their functions, not just like a side job, but this is an actual function, this is right. a job. 
Um, I mean, maybe in the later, later, later days, see a chief visualization officer. Exactly. You know, and then um, fourth is to have an innovation component, like these developments that can occur um, internally that are enterprise-wide that are not necessarily for a specific purpose, but are there to um, help the different functions learn from it. Exactly. Um, as far as technique, those are that sounds like a really nice future. I would think so. Yeah. <laughs> the the last question I would like to ask you is. Um, we have a lot of listeners that um, are from functional areas and some from data science and then even some from IT and, um, and data architecture and things like that. Um, what final piece of advice would you give an analytics professional to help them advance their data visualization practice? So data visualization lives at this weird intersection of art and science. And I think if you look at art and how you become more of an expert in art or develop some sort of taste, it requires uh, consumption. Mm -hmm. So that's what I recommend to people, when they, especially in our team at Access Group, when they're trying to learn more about data visualization. The one thing I tell them is to consume a lot of it. Uh, at the beginning when you're doing that, you may not know what you're consuming or what the value of it is. Mm -hmm. Try to discern that. Look at what other people are saying about it. Look at what the experts are saying and try to draw your own conclusions. It'll help you very quickly get a sense of like what works and what does it, doesn't. And it'll give you this kind of bank of pre-existing solutions that you can try to apply to new problems you're facing. So mm -hmm. it gives you a baseline to experiment with and, and try out. So that's my advice is to just consume a lot of visualization. Yeah, very nice. And learn from others, right? Like, exactly. Uh, don't you guys have a meetup that you're doing? Yes. So we are doing a meetup uh, in on August 31st with Alberto Cairo, who is a, a professor at the University of Miami. He's written several books on visualization, very, very well-regarded leader in the field. Um, it's called Visual Trumpery, which is about looking at data in the media from the left and right and how it's misrepresented and, and how you can better get value or truth out of graphics. Mm -hmm. And it, you can sign up at that website, visualtrumpery.com. Okay, very nice. And what's the name of the meetup in case people... Cause I, yes, the meetup is uh, Atlanta Data Visualization and Infographics. Okay, nice, nice. Very nice. Well, thank you again to Spiros Kokinas from Access Group for talking to us about the current state and trends in data visualization. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for listening to The Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Please connect with the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech via our website. And join my network on LinkedIn, Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center. Thanks again and have a great data set.